I want to continue teaching on prayer tonight. I'm going to give a few introductory remarks, then I'm going to let the teacher teach this evening. And so I'm going to let her loose on this subject of prayer. She wrote, um, she wrote a book, uh, wrote a chapter in the book that's coming out. This is not the title. I wrote, a, I wrote a book and did not know the title until a week ago. So I sent it to the publisher and so forth and still undecided about the title. And, and they, they kind of said, well, Todd, that's kind of unusual. Well, the subject was pray. And I think about two weeks ago, I think it was, we decided on, on a, type, a, a, a title, so you, it'll be coming forth in a little bit. It's going to be released at the pastor's conference, praise the Lord. So they're moving that through ex, uh, expediting that. But I asked Karen to write a chapter in the book on the five lanes of prayer. There are different, um, there are different lanes of prayer, and all prayer is not the same. Does that make sense to you? In other words, there are different modes that you get in. And I, I talked about this on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago on the, the fact that sometimes when you're traveling down an interstate, you've got the slow lane, okay? You've got the middle lane, then you've got a fast lane, and then you've got an express lane. It costs you to get in that express lane. Okay, now, all lanes are important. And the Bible discusses that there are different types of prayers that accomplish different things. So you're going to have to decide sometime, what am I, what's my goal right now? What lane do I need to be in? I mean, if you're getting off the interstate that is 35 miles an hour, you don't need to be in the express lane. You're going to cause a problem. So you're going to need to know how to shift gears. Determine what the will of the Lord is while you're praying and what you're praying for and what, how fast you need to go. Amen. So she's going to talk about that tonight. So would you help me welcome her? Come to the platform. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, welcome to class. Right? So we were out of Caneo one night. Last night was our first night off, and here we go again. Can't, just can't stand it. I kept looking over my shoulder last night thinking, I'm supposed to be somewhere. But uh, I just want to congratulate our students. Y'all give them a hand clap. Even if you're a student, clap for yourself. And uh, we had a fabulous year, so you'll hear more about a celebration coming up about that. So uh, just love uh, what God did in our Caneo classrooms this year, and we have a tremendous future ahead of us, just a bright, bright future. Um, we have Dr. Roberts Lairdon coming back to be with us next year, and Pastor Jeff Lyle will be teaching year four. We're offering a degree program for the very first time, so we're so excited about that. We have gone from 12 campuses to almost 30 in one year. So Amber is busy, busy, busy. And uh, she is uh, working hard to reel in campuses all over the country. So I say that to let you as a church family know and all Caneo students know what you are a part of. What you are a part of. So guys, pray for us. Pray for us. I mean, we crossed the finish line squealing the other day. So uh, ending the year. And it's, it, again, it's been a great year. But the Lord's got so much in store for us. And so we are super, super excited. Uh, before we dive into the Word, I want to uh, share something with you that, that happened today, just, just really exciting. 
and I'm just very, very proud of this. Um, Pastor Todd got a letter, actually an email letter, uh, this morning, and it reads this way. Dear Pastor Todd Smith, greetings from Oral Roberts University. I recently learned of your book on speaking in tongues. Thank you for your ministry. I direct the Holy Spirit Research Center, which is one of the largest academic archives on the Holy Spirit in the world. For over 50 years, we have been collecting resources from pastors, denominations, and scholars on the Holy Spirit and related topics. Here's our website. I'm writing to ask if you would consider donating a copy of your book or any other researches, uh, resources you have published for our archive. This generation is so hungry for the things of the Spirit. We would love to have your material here, not only to preserve this witness, but so our students have great resources to feed that hunger for the Spirit. Thank you for your consideration. Isn't that amazing? So our own pastor, yes, give him a big standing O. Our pastor, um, so proud of this, and so we, uh, Pastor Andy took the box today, and we said, yes, I think we can loan you a copy or two, and so I packed that box full of everything he's written and sent them all, amen, and so uh, I, I'm just super excited about that, and he also has asked for, um, his language was um, that they are opening archives or they're opening a file. They're going to open a file on the North Georgia Revival. Pastor Sherry, this is probably going to be right up your alley, to gather info about the revival for their files, so healing testimonies and everything that all of our team has seen in the water and up and down the halls and all that, and our file is about that thick. And so they have said, we want to archive the North Georgia Revival. Isn't that amazing? At Oral Roberts University. So we are excited. I can't wait to talk to uh, Dr. Lairdon about that and tell him. But if you have not got your copy of this, you need to get a copy of that tonight in the workbook that goes with it. But Dr. Roberts Lairdon is named after Oral Roberts. He literally grew up in his home, ran around in his home and as a toddler. So I'm excited to share that news. So praise God for that. Amen. So exciting. Yes, yes, yes. So go to the book of Philippians tonight. We're going to be brief. Um, I've actually got a Zoom call as soon as service is over with our campus, uh, an extended campus in Norris City. So we're going to jet over there and do a Zoom call with them and get them ready for the upcoming year. But we want to get into the book of Philippians tonight and talk about, as Pastor Todd said, the five lanes of, uh, or the five, yeah, the five lanes of prayer, and he used the analogy of a highway, of a highway, and as he was talking, that, you know, sometimes you travel in this lane, that type of prayer, the slow lane, and that sometimes you have to move into the next lane, and you're, you're traveling a little bit faster, and every lane on a, on a particular highway has a different function, or you use that particular lane for a particular reason, and sometimes, you know what, some lanes are closed, and that, and using that same analogy, that lets us know that sometimes God wants us to stay in a particular lane of prayer for a while. You know, like when the North Georgia Revival first started, we were all in that lane of intercession. 
you know. And even before that, we were in that lane of uh, the type of prayer that calls for repentance. Glad we got out of that lane. That'll wear you out, you know. But the Lord has to ready the body. The Lord has to ready us mentally and ready our hearts and our spirits. And yes, even has to ready our flesh for revival. So he said, Christ Fellowship Church, you're going to stay in that lane of repentance for a while. And then we shift lanes as the need arises. But the book of Philippians gives us a little bit of insight and almost defines at least four lanes of prayer uh, in the text. And so we want to go there tonight, all right? So we're going to end up in Philippians 4. So if you want to go there, that you can just kind of park right there. But uh, Caneo students, um, you know, you know, you know, that every text in a scripture, okay, you need a little bit of background about what's going on so that you can understand the scripture that you're going to hone in on, right? So th this could not be more the case in this particular text when we're talking about prayer. The, the, the background of this text is so important. Right, Canel One students? We just got out of this, digging around the background. And so let me just set it up for you, then we're going to talk about those four lanes of prayer. Now, the book of Philippians was written by Paul to the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi was uh, one of the churches that he established in his ministry. Um, I believe it was on his second missionary journey. You can s read about the establishment of the, this very church in Acts chapter 16. So he goes to the city of Philippi, starts a church, and the, uh, the letter that he writes to them uh, reflects how he felt about this particular church and really how this church felt about Paul in regard to his ministry. This church loved Paul. The church at Philippi loved the Apostle Paul. Now, that's going to have bearing on this types of praying that we're going to look at here in just a moment. They loved the Apostle Paul, and he loved them. Because over in chapter 3, I believe it is, uh, he indicates that the church at Philippi, when no one else would support him financially, they did. Even when they were in need themselves, Paul said, you were so faithful. You were so faithful, faithful to support me financially. And so it caused them to develop this sweet communion between each other. Just a sweet, sweet relationship. And so Paul, uh, as he often did, wrote this letter back to the church at Philippi. And I say back to because when he wrote this letter, and this too is important, he was in prison. This is when Paul was, he was in, Paul was arrested and imprisoned about three, some theologians say four times. Well, this was a time when he was on house arrest. And so he had a little bit of flexibility. He could move around a little bit, but he was also always in the company of a, uh, some type of a guard. That's going to have bearing in a moment, okay? And so... Uh, you have to understand that even the time that the letter was written was about 51 A.D. Well, Paul died in about 55 A.D., 56 A.D., right along in there. So, guys, he's writing a letter to a church that he established that he loves dearly very, just very shortly before his death. Well, he's arrested. Paul already knows he's in hot water. Well, what does that indicate? We're getting some of his last words. And that is important because you want to know what is his subject matter. 
What is he talking about? Is he talking about making disciples? Is he talking about evangelism? Uh, you know, is he talking about uh, how to train uh, minister? What is he talking about in his letter? If it's some of his very last words, what is he talking about? So that has bearing on Philippians chapter 4 as we start to talk about prayer. Okay, so let me bring the, let me bring the background home to you. Here it is. The church of Philippians, uh, at the church of Philippi, loved Paul. Paul loved them. He's been arrested writing letters back. They start to worry about Paul. They get very, very concerned about him. Okay? And they know he's in prison. You know, Paul, we're worried about you. They're going back and forth with communication, so forth and so on. Paul is, again, he's on house arrest, got a little bit of flexibility, but they know, man, something is up. Because he's been arrested, okay? And I believe this might have been the second time that he was arrested. So they're concerned about him. And I just want to draw your attention to a couple of verses in just chapter 1. Look at verse 12, 13, and 14. But I want you to know, brethren, that all things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my change, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's like, little church at Philippi, don't you worry about me. Everything that's happened to me is going to work, has been working for my good. And he says, hey, just so you know, I've been chained to this guard. And because of this particular guard, now all other palace guards know that my hope is in Christ. Isn't that good? It was the Roman Praetorian guard that he was referring to in those verses. Now, guys, listen. He's in prison, okay? Hooked up to a guard. And he's happy about it. He's like, this is going to work for my benefit. Okay, he makes it work for his benefit. And that reflects the theme of the entire book of Philippians, and that is joy. Joy. So he's telling the little church of Philippi, don't worry. Keep standing in joy. I'm okay. You see what I'm saying? A sub-theme of the book is unity, and, and uh, he talks a lot about uh, how he wants this church to stay together in unity, okay? But the overall theme is, is joy. And so again, now we're in Philippians 4. That is the setting. That's the setting, okay? Paul's last few years, and he's writing to one of the churches that's, that's so dear to his heart, okay? So when you get to chapter 4, he's talking about unity in verses 1 through about 3. He talks about rejoicing in verse 4. This is 4-4. Four, four. He says in verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. So he's basically kind of coaching them along. He's saying, you know, stand, stay in unity, be a good church, represent well, okay? And so finally we get to those four lanes of prayer in our chapter 4, verse 6. So that's a focal passage for this evening, okay? Chapter 4. Verse 6. So look how he opens. Be anxious for nothing. Didn't I tell you that they had worried about him? So right there he says, he says now listen, little church, I need y'all to stop worrying about me and start to pray. Because look how it reads. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. 
by prayer. And then he goes on, which we'll look at all four of those. And so, guys, this is the answer. This is timeless because this is the answer to anxiety. He says, stop worrying. Be anxious for nothing. And some of your other translations may say something else. Be careful for nothing. So the Greek word there for being careful for nothing, it literally means uh, being divided in one's mind, okay? To be careful for nothing. It literally means not to be uh, divided in your thoughts, to be swayed in your thoughts this way or that way, uh, to have um, your thoughts being drawn in different directions, So the Greek word for anxious there, be careful for nothing, means that your thoughts are just divided in many different directions. And by that I mean, and this is the way we do, sometimes we're in strong faith, and then we start to worry, and then we consider our circumstances, and then we'll speak the word, and now we're back in faith. But then Satan throws us a lie, and we consider it, and then we draw the imagination, and now we're right back out of faith. You see how my mind's divided in many different directions so he he's saying don't do this and when you get in this situation when you're in a fix like this and your mind is working that way your antidote is prayer and notice he didn't say run to a friend and tell them Kenneth Hagin used to call that running to the arm of flesh you don't run to a friend and tell them. He says, you come into the prayer closet. You're anxious. Your mind is just divided. It literally means having divided mind. Your thoughts are drawn in all these different directions. He says, run into me. Prayer is the antidote. And a lot of times that is our last ditch effort is to go pray about it. When he says be anxious in the in the um, the grammatical makeup of that phrase, it is it is an A B command. In other words, he commands them to stop worrying, but they have the option to whether or not they are going to obey that or not. Okay, and it also means uh, the way again that the Greek phrase uh, the fr- uh, phrase is set up there is that they had started to worry and they were continuing to worry. Like there was a starting place and they just kept worrying. That it was a continuous worrying. And he, and again, these are his last days. His last few words, okay? Because he dies shortly thereafter. And so, and he's in prison. So he's knowing every day the time is ticking. What do I tell, listen, what do I tell the church? Pray. He's not talking about evangelizing. He's not talking about honoring the Lord's Supper. He's not talking about, uh, 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 you know, building churches. He's saying, boy, you know what? Tomorrow my head may roll. What do I need to tell them? I need to tell them to pray. That when they worry, they've got to pray. Okay? So he says, be anxious for nothing, and here are the highways. But in everything by prayer, supplication... With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay? So we're going to break those, those down just very quickly. 
And we're going to, because there are different English words used there, right, for praying. Well, there's also different Greek words. And so for every English word that's different, there's a different Greek word, which shows us and indicates that there's different kinds of prayer, just like Pastor Todd said. Okay? Now, let me interject this one thought, then we'll, then we'll move right into describing these. Guys, it is imperative. It's imperative that when we pray, we pray the word. The Bible clearly tells us that angels, it's in Psalm 103, they stand on ready that when someone speaks the word, they respond to the word. But if we don't speak the word because we don't know the word, angels don't move. So it's imperative that you learn the word of God and you learn what verses apply to what situations or prayer needs and you speak the word because God loves nothing more than for us to say and for him to hear us say father you said right Lisa Schrock how many times have you said father you said and right there he sits her boy amen so good okay so I'm sure that Lisa and Les many times said Lord you said that's powerful and then the angels are dispatched, okay? So first of all, prayer. Again, English word, Greek word, just giving it to you there, okay? Now, the interesting thing about this is this, uh, this Greek word for prayer is actually uh, a compound word. It has a, a prefix and it has a suffix, and it means two different things. Pros means closeness. Pros means closeness or even face-to-face. So this type of prayer is... When we go into the Lord, and it's a time of intimacy, it's closeness, uh, it's, it's face-to-face with Him, it's towards Him. We just did prepositions in year one. Do y'all remember this? Pros? Okay. The, the latter part of the word, uche, is a Greek word that literally means to take a vow. Now, let's be careful here, because I want you to hear, hear what I'm not saying. It's an ancient Greek word that depicts a wish, a desire, or a prayer with a vow. Almost like you're going to go before the Lord and you're going to pray for something and you're so desperate for it that you're willing to give Him something in exchange if He'll just answer that prayer. It's kind of like Hannah in the Bible when she went and said, God, I want a son, and I'm so desperate for you to answer this prayer for me, a son. God, I'll turn and I'll give him right back to you. It's not that you're bargaining with the Lord or you're trying to get him to do something or you're making a promise that you know you can't keep. You're just so desperate for it to come through. You could even say something like, and Lord, when you answer this prayer, I'll give you the glory. Like that, okay? Or Lord, if you, know, if you bless me in this fashion, whatever comes to me, I'll just give it right back to you. But you're so, this is the type of prayer. So he says, don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. But with everything by prayer, by this kind of praying, okay? And, and it is when you go face-to-face with the Lord, you are pros with Him. You're face-to-face. You're, you're toward Him. You're praying. It's a deep desire. And it has a vow attached to it. But again, we're not, 
we're not trying to get him to move or we're not being manipulative, but it comes out of the promise or your response to his blessing and answering that prayer comes out of your desperation for what you're praying for. Lord, bring my child back home. And God, when you do, I'll tell the whole world that it was you. You're so desperate for that thing, you see? And so Paul's telling the little church at Philippi, don't wor stop worrying. That's really the tense there. Because they were already worrying and they kept worrying. So he says, stop your worrying. But go before the Lord with that deep desire on the inside of you. Whatever it is, do you want me to be released from prison? You want me to prosper? Uh, are you concerned about uh, the guards around me? Whatever the case. Or maybe it even went further than the things concerning Paul. Maybe it was family about them or uh, you know, their family or whatever the case. He says, stop your worrying. If you're that worried, if you're that concerned... Turn that concern and go before the Lord on my behalf. Get face to face with Him and push in in prayer. Isn't that good? So, so, so good. All right. The next, uh, the next type of prayer there, the next highway, so to speak. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication. So this is another lane. This is another lane on the highway. Okay, it's supplication. So supplication is a type of prayer, and it, it literally means it's a petitioning, and it, it is when we fully transfer a burden from ourselves to God. This is when you go in before the Lord, and this is how we say a lot of times, we give it to Him. Okay, and so Paul's saying, stop worrying and go give your concern to the Lord. Go give it to him. That is supplication. Now, a lot of times we know how we do it. This is, this is how I pray. I give it to the Lord. And then I say, now, Lord, if I was you, this is what I would do. And then I wait. And if there's no answer or response, then I pick it back up and I carry it all by myself again. Does anybody else pray like that? Okay. That's not true supplication because the idea is to transfer the burden from the believer to God, okay? This, is, this type of prayer, and I'm, I'm getting all this from the original language, all you Strong's Concordance people, it is intentional praying. It is focused praying, and it is earnest praying. And normally we use this type of prayer when we have a need or a lack in our life. Gosh, if we've got a need in our life or there's a lack in our life, we can't do anything about it anyway. We better give that burden to Him. And don't take it back, right? That's supplication. So Paul says to the church at Philippi, stop your continuous worrying and all your divided thoughts. Pull your mind together. And he says, give your, um, give your, your care to the Lord. Whatever the lack is. Now listen to this. It literally means, the root word literally means to beg. To beg. Okay? And, 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 and this type of praying again is when you need for God to respond immediately. Now do not get the picture, when I say beg, that God is sitting in heaven and he's daring us to ask him for something. 
The Bible does not indicate that at all. The Bible says clearly that he gives liberally. But again, in that phraseology, you see the intensity of the one praying. It's kind of like the, the lady that in, the, in the scriptures that she went and beat on the door at the neighbor's house because she needed bread because her guest had showed, shown up, right? And she's beating on the door, and it's the middle of the night. She's like, I, I just need you to get up. I've got guests. I need provision. Get up and help me. It's that kind of begging. And it's not that the neighbor didn't want to help. He was just not, you know, a good time for him. It was inconvenient, whatever. But because she what? Kept pressing, he answered and helped her out with bread. Okay, so again, do not get that negative idea that, listen, we've got to crawl and scratch to the Father and beg that way. Guys, he's talking about intensity, steadfastness, that we stay with it. Okay? Keep in mind the story in the book of Daniel. When Daniel prayed, it was, a, it was a full length of time. It was a long period of time before the answer got to him. Do you remember the stories where we get the 21-day Daniel fast? Because Daniel was on a fast. But the Bible clearly indicates when the angel came to him, he says, Daniel, I heard you and was released to come to you the moment you started to pray. But he says, I was caught up. Something stopped him. Okay? And that angel had to battle. Well, guys, that's the intensity. That's where we need the intensity of prayer. It, it, God releases the answer. But how many know the enemy goes after it too to rope it in? So it's not that we're begging God. Come on, God, do something. The Lord has released it unto us. But sometimes it gets locked up in the heavenlies. You see that? That's, that's supplication. Now, everybody knows James 5.16. Everybody knows this verse. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another. Y'all know that one? Okay. That you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That is the same Greek word. Fervent prayer is the same Greek word as supplication. The one that presses in and keeps going and almost begs and pleads with deep intensity. Why? Because there's a need that must be met. And they need God's immediate attention in the matter. That's the kind of praying supplication is. Amen? And listen, I'm getting all this from the original language. So all of you need to be in Caneo in the fall. Registration opens July the 1st through the 31st. And you'll learn how to do this. Amen? Okay? And so we're just breaking the text apart. That's all we're doing. Because a lot of times when we read it in the English, it doesn't go deep enough and it doesn't tell us what we really need to do. Because we look at that in English word supplication, okay, supplication. We just keep reading on. But you've got to dig under there to find out what Paul is, what type of praying, what lane is he telling them to get in. Now remember, the root of this whole thing is worrying. Worrying. Constant worrying. And he says, this is the antidote. Just know what lane you need to be in. Okay, number three. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I love this one. I love this one. You know why? Because I love gratitude. I love grateful people. 
I love grateful people because God loves us to be grateful. He loves us, loves for us to be grateful. Now, when Ty and Ethan were little, they might, they'd ask for something, I would respond, you know, and if they complained a little bit, the first thing out of my mouth was, be grateful. Just be grateful. Okay? All right? It's not a cherry Pop-Tart, okay? It's a blueberry Pop-Tart. Just be grateful. Right? Be grateful that you have the Pop-Tart. Okay? So the beauty of this one, man, I just love word studies, but listen, the beauty of thanksgiving, this type of praying, again, this is a compound word. Uh, the, the latter part of the word is where we get the word grace. But the first part of the word, you see that E-U that in the Greek word there? Y'all listen. It means to swell. Like, to swell. But think about that, Pastor Gary. Think about that. This is what God wants out of us. This is, kind of, this is the kind of praying. This isn't worship. This is a type of praying, giving thanks. And he says, listen, you are so swollen with the grace that I've bestowed upon you. You're so full. You're so full of gratitude. You had experienced my grace to the swelling point that the way you release that is, is you thank me. It means to swell. That's so good. Is that not so good? That we're just swollen with his goodness. And to get that out, we go into the prayer closet and we just start to thank him for everything. And rather than spending our time complaining or crying or, uh, uh, you know, digging up old information or the Lord, what if this and what if that, instead of all that, we're so swollen with gratitude. We just thank him. And you look down and it's been an hour and you've thanked him. It means to swell. Is that not great? We need a t-shirt that says E-U swell. That would be a conversation starter. Isn't that good? But again, in the English, all we get is thanksgiving. So we was like, thank you, Lord, for a good day. Thank you, Lord. No. He says, I'm so good. And if you'll dwell on my goodness, you will just swell up on the inside. So good. Just love it. And then finally he says, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Okay? Again, this is a little bit like supplication in that it is adamant requesting. Adamant requesting. Almost demanding God's assistance. But listen to this. In the New Testament, this word is used to describe a person who insists or demands that a specific need be met after approaching and speaking to his superior with respect and honor. So how about using Thanksgiving maybe before this one? And aren't they put in that order? Tell him how great he is. You've honored him. And then you go in with your requests. 
And this type of praying is based on one's confidence. Now listen to this. This is based on one's confidence in God's goodness and God's faithfulness to meet the need. It's not based on our merit, how great I pray or how I asked or how I laid out the request. Not at all. Okay? This type of praying, one will get in this prayer lane when they are so confident that God is the one that's going to meet the need. And they honor Him before they go before Him and ask for anything. And guys, I I promise you, in the West, we've got it real heavy in requesting and real shallow in the honoring and the praising. It's the Jewish world that's got it flipped. They're heavy in the honor and the praise of Jehovah. And they're they're shallow in the requesting. We, We could learn something. Amen? Now, the other uh, lane that I want to mention here is not on the page, but it is a lane, and and it is uh, in the writing, and that is the lane of intercession. I won't spend a lot of time on this one. I'm I'm watching our time tonight. We want to honor your time. But intercession, this is a lane. Now, to me, this is the fast lane because this uh, type of praying um, happens when all of a sudden, uh, uh, you, are, you are burdened with a person's name, perhaps, maybe their face, or there's an event, or the Holy Spirit brings something to mind, and you know you've got to what we call press in. You feel an urgency in the moment. The Hebrew word for intercession is paga, and it means an intersection. Like you're just driving down the road, okay? You're just driving down the road, minding your own business, and all of a sudden, somebody's face comes to mind. And you had not thought of that person in 15 years. The Lord's saying, intercede now. I need you to intercede so that I can release because that person's in need. Intercede now. And you just feel an urgency to intercede because intercession or paga or the Greek word here literally means, uh, paga means to strike or to light upon. Like that thought just lights upon you. And it is a warning. Is that thunder? Lesson is lighting upon us. That thought comes to our mind because the Lord needs someone to speak it so that he can release activity on that person's behalf. The Greek word here also means to fall in with. So if Paula Joe says she is driving down the road and the, the Lord sees a drunk driver coming, She's headed to, uh, she's going to Tennessee. She's driving down the road, and the drunk driver's coming her way. I'm in Dawsonville at my desk, and all of a sudden, her face comes across my mind. Stop thinking that that is coincidence. If you are a co-laborer with the Holy Spirit, and you operate with Him, and you minister with Him, He is contacting you, He's downloading to you, because she's in trouble. And so her face comes to my mind, and immediately, I paga, I fall in with her. And I begin to intercede. How? In tongues. Because I don't know how to pray. I don't know if something's happening with her. If she's at a job interview, I'm pushing that through. If she's having a conversation that's real sticky with somebody, I'm pushing that through. Or here comes the drunk driver, and I'm pushing him out of the way. Stop thinking that it is just happenstance. I'm 
I'm not even thinking about her, okay? I'm doing my work, and all of a sudden, stop. Give it 10 to 15 seconds and push. You could save somebody's life. It's called intercession, and it's the fast lane. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay, now we could teach a night on each one of these, but I'm just giving you the lanes for right now for sake of time. So in closing, let me, let me give you this last one because, see, we've been driving on the Gentile highway. These are all prayers and types of prayer that we're all familiar with as Gentiles, okay? We know about prayer. We know about supplication. We know about thanksgiving. We know about requests. We know about intercession. But there's one form of prayer that is, other than thanksgiving, this is probably my favorite. And it's blessing the Lord. Canal students, you should know this. Especially year two, you should know this. Blessing the Lord. Okay? And that's what the Jews do. They bless the Lord. Okay? And I don't have time to go into all the ins and outs of that. But guys, it is a form of prayer that, that the Western church knows nothing about that Gentile believers know nothing about because we're so trained to ask. We're so trained to ask rather than just go in, and this is different than Thanksgiving. It's totally different than Thanksgiving. Okay, it's an element of Thanksgiving, but it's a different type of praying. When you go in and you bless the Lord, and the Jews have a prayer of blessing for everything, for rain, for food, that God's seeing them through grief. I could take you to all these prayers. They even have a prayer. Can I, y'all remember this? They even have a prayer for going to the bathroom. They bless the Lord. Do y'all remember that? They bless the Lord. And this is how it goes. Something to this effect. Lord, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that everything that is, that is supposed to be open is open. And everything that is closed is closed. Now, if you've ever had problems with that area, you are thanking God when it finally happens. Right? They have a prayer. They bless the Lord when their body works the way it's supposed to work. But this, and this is another example. In the West, we thank God for our food. And then we eat. The Jews will pray before and after a meal, and they bless the Lord. They don't thank the Lord for the food. They don't even bless the Lord for the food. They say, blessed are you, O Father, who makes food come out of the earth. You're the only God that can do this. And it doesn't matter if they're eating a grape or sauerkraut. They're, at, they're thanking Him. God, you're the only God that causes food to come out of the earth. I bless the Lord. Isn't that good? So all y'all that watch The Chosen, when the boys are eating, you'll hear them say, we bless you, O Lord, maker of heaven and earth that causes food to come out of the ground. That's what they're doing. They're blessing the Lord. They don't say, Lord, we thank you for these apricots and apples. No, you're the God that creates the apricots and the apples. Isn't that, that's so much different, right? And by the way, have y'all ever noticed that Andrew, he is always eating in that show. 
Y'all ever notice that? He eats all the time in the chosen. Just a side note. So does that make sense? Does that make all those lanes of prayer? Makes you want to pray, doesn't it? Makes you want to pray. So let me just challenge you that just for tonight, out of all of those, pick, pick only these two to do. Thanksgiving and blessing. Unless in the middle of it, you have to go into intercession for somebody. Do that. Okay? But let's try just thanking him. And let's try blessing him. You know, they get up in the chosen. Jesus does it. They wake up. He slings his legs over. You know, and he basically prays, Lord, thank you. Or Father, thank you for waking us up this morning. Right? It's just a different way to pray. And it just exhorts him. He, he is worthy of all that. And guys, keep in mind again, now close with this. It's not, it is praise, but it's not defined that way. It's defined as prayer in Philippians 4. That is a type of prayer. Spend an hour just blessing him. Amen? All right. Uh, let's stand, and I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Todd. My goodness. Rich, thank you. We need to pick this up again, don't we? Oh, that was so, so practical. That song, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, and all that is within me, bless His hope. My Lord. Any good. So tonight, tonight as you go in your prayer closet, just get in a lane and drive. Put your hazards on. Go slow. And bless the Lord. Sing it, Jim.